Hey everyone, welcome to Why Politics. My name is Adyuj, and today I'm very lucky to have two guests today, Oscar Cespedes and Mark Genua. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, my name is Oscar. I'm a guest, a friend of the show by now. Um, for those who don't know who I am quite yet, I am the captain of Model United Nations here at Chicago Valley School. I am a former a former senior slash junior class president of the class of 2020. And I am and I am a proud supporter of gun control laws. Uh, hello, thank you, Aryuj, for having me on today. My name is Mark Genua, uh, and I won the class clown senior superlative, and that's about it. So the topic of today is gun control, and when we think about gun control, at least in America today. It's a very broad term, and that can mean very many different things. Some may see gun control as just passing red flag laws. Others may see it as a full assault weapons ban. Uh, Some may include uh, the recent bump stock bans. There are many different things that constitute gun control. And so before we get into talking about the nitty-gritty of gun control... Before we begin our conversation, I'd just like to begin by defining what that means to each of us. And so I'll begin by saying that when I think of gun control, I'm defining it as in the broadest possible context, restricting access to firearms from people who shouldn't be having them in the first place. So what I mean by that is passing red flag laws closing domestic abuse loopholes in the system and overall mentally unstable individuals who are susceptible to cause violence shouldn't have guns either. And that's how I really see uh, gun control, at least to me. Yeah. So uh, for me, what I believe to be gun control is universal background checks red flag laws, but a bump a bump stock ban, and uh, more research when it comes to people having access to guns who have a mental issue. So that's what I believe when it comes to um, the discussion of gun control laws and what we should do about it. Uh, gun control, to me, uh, basically means, uh, similarly to Aryuj, uh, keeping guns out of the hands of certain people who should not be possessing them. However, I believe any law-abiding, mentally stable citizen should be able to arm themselves in any way they see fit. I agree uh, with that. Try to but <laughs> One thing I would like to say, though, is we, we are saying um, – we need to keep guns out of the hands of mentally unstable people. And to that, I do agree. Certainly schizophrenic people should not be allowed to own weapons for obvious reasons, but we, we need to be careful with how we're defining mentally unstable because what we don't want to happen is um, paint people with a broad brush. We don't want people who um, maybe suffer from, uh, minor depression or something like that to lose their Second Amendment rights. So basically, gun control, when talking about mental illness, has to be defined very clearly. Before. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a that's a pretty broad or that's a very clear definition, actually. 
So, Mark, you brought a mental illness and you brought very specific terms to the table on how we should define mental illness in relations to gun control and in relation to who should have guns and who shouldn't. Can you explain what you mean by that a little more? Um, well, obviously, I don't want to go into too much detail about what um, what diagnosis shouldn't have uh, firearms and which should because I'm not a qualified Doctor. therapist or anything like that. Um, but what I what I do believe, what I do know is this: many many people in America suffer from uh, depression or ADHD, and I feel like if we allow the government to uh, keep guns away from the mentally ill, then we risk them. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We, we risk them basically banning anyone who's associated with uh, any sort of mental illness in the slightest degree from owning a firearm. So you could have uh, uh, an adult who has suffered from ADHD with most of his life being banned from ever owning a firearm, which is a very bad thing in my opinion, because people need to be able to uh, own firearms, own like firearms or even just exercise their amendment rights. So basically it's a slippery slope kind of thing. Like once yeah, exactly. the government gets involved in one part of mental illness, they'll start relating it to other parts. And then soon even the most trivial, of, well, not the most trivial. Th that, that's a what if, but that is what I, when dealing with a government like ours, I think we need to consider every option and every possibility like that. You know, we need to be careful and we need to make sure that what we allow them to do is just. I agree with Mark in terms of um, that's why I do believe that more uh, research should go into the, into uh, people having access to guns when it comes for those who are mentally um, challenged or ill. So you mean research into what they research could do with into them, what or? they could do, what the harms would be, what it's a percentage of they of they committing harm to other people or committing harm to themselves. And I mean, which is, this uh, would obviously have to be categorized into the different mental illnesses. Yeah, and yeah, that's for any Congress person to do it. That would be I mean, for the medical yeah. field to do it. Yeah. So you also mentioned that as part of your stance on gun control research into mental illness. Mental yeah. illness. Do you, both of you believe that mental illness or the gun control debate sometimes overshadows Yes, yes, 100%. But one, one thing I do want to say is, or clarify is that I don't think any of us here are trying to say that uh, everyone should be scared of someone who suffers from mental yep. illness because that, that's not the case. But that's an important yes. distinction. That, that's yeah. not the case. But we do need to draw lines, and we, we obviously just can't allow anybody in this country to have guns. Even though that's technically what the amendment says, um, times are more complex than yeah, what they were so before I go further, uh, let me preface my statements by saying that mental illness is a severe thing that many individuals have to deal with. And by no means do I want to degrade anyone with mental illness or to say that they aren't stable enough to have individual rights like the right to bear arms. But rather, I want to say that based in the fact that guns do kill people and do kill people with precision that other uh, items like knives don't have. 
it obviously can be a much more dangerous thing to have in a mentally unstable person's hands if that depending mentally, on their diagnosis. Yeah, so, exactly. Because obviously, um, let's say uh, someone who's mentally challenged, someone with like autism, if they're if they are very high functioning, why should they not be allowed to exercise and, the Second Amendment rights? And high functioning autistic people actually, they. I mean, they're really not that different. They're from, not that yeah, yeah, from they, any of us. Uh, yeah, and the stigma surrounding mental illness and the they versus us argument is something that I wish to not avoid, but to say that it's wrong and that we need to stop thinking of them as completely separate yeah. people. I agree. Uh, and we need to start talking about gun control just in terms of safety really it's yeah, not about yeah. demeaning anyone else it's not about yeah. bringing someone else down because of something they have yeah so before and it, it's um, about the safety of our society and our people yeah and that's to say again like mark brought up a lot of mentally challenged individuals people with autism people with adhd people with depression anxiety people with mental illness should still be allowed to have their right to bear arms as any American citizen yeah. does. It's just that there are, there are certain diagnoses that we should be aware of that could potentially, potentially pose a threat. And I don't want to get into the specifics on that because we, first of all, we're teenagers in high school. We have no idea what we're talking about. Exactly. So I don't even want to start talking about who and who can't own a firearm in terms of mental illness but there are let's say dangerous individuals mental illness or not who should not have firearms and one of those dangerous people is are are people who have domestic abuse files on their records and currently in a lot of states actually there exists a loophole where the domestic abuse perpetrators are still allowed to own firearms to keep their firearms and that has led to many 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 deaths one thing that i'd like to bring up is that a majority of gun violence has to do with domestic violence those two things and actually a lot of um i'm i'm gonna go out on a little sorry sorry to interrupt no, but yeah. um i just want to say out of the blue here um a lot of these gun statistics, we see gun crime statistics, gun violence statistics, they're factoring in things like suicide, which shouldn't necessarily be factored into oh, yeah. gun, gun violence. Well, actually, the, when counting school shootings, they also count because the figure like uh, is up in the 500s mm-hmm. this year, which in and alone is very jarring. Yeah. But in those statistics, they also count single person uh, suicides. Yeah. And... And mishaps. even if you bring a, I've, I've heard this, I'm not sure how accurate this is, but even if you bring a gun into a no-gun zone on by mistake, somehow you do that. I, I'm not sure how gun accurate. violence, though? I've, I've heard yeah, some I, things I'm, like that. It may not be accurate. Yeah, so I'm not really I'm sure. Well, I think it should be counted as gun violence because what, I, the, uh, if somebody decides to end their life with a gun, I think that is gun violence. I disagree completely. Well, it should be counted as it's, suicide, but well, gun it, violence... No, it should be counted as, as, just, as a suicide, but also as gun violence, because that 
happen through with a gun. gun. Yeah. I mean, that does make sense, but they should have statistics. No, it, no, does, yes. it, it I, does not I, make sense no, because I, when you, when I you think hear the should, word gun violence, what do you think? I think either somebody killed multiple people or somebody uh, decided to kill themselves. But the term no, violence you are thinking is, they killed themselves because you heard that they include that within the statistics. But the, which I agree know, with. But the, but the problem is that gun violence, the, like that. The difference here. My, no, but gun violence is both suicide and homicide. Yes. Violence is a very broad term, but they should, what they should do is, separate. is that they should separate them, yes. and that's something they don't. And that's a dangerous thing, because if they don't separate them, in our minds, that association is already there, that mm-hmm. violence is done unto other people. Exactly, but with viol- all guns. Yeah. And I don't see the problem with anyone. I mean, this sounds, this sounds so wrong, but if somebody wants to end their life with a, with a gun Iron. they own, I don't yeah, See, but the thing is, a legal to problem. Prevent it. I know. I don't think it's the government's job to prevent people from committing suicide. I think that is very I think much the government. government should, well, uh, the government does have a responsibility to ensure the life, liberty, and it does. But at the same time, violence. your life is yours. You are not the government's property. No. And if you, and, but I feel, but as a society, we have uh, a responsibility to help each other, not just the government helping us, but the government ensuring that there are programs that exist for people. I, who, I totally agree with yeah. you there. There should be programs, and I'm not the biggest. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, uh, government programs, yeah. but uh, I do think we should be providing um, uh, some sort of treatment for uh, lower income families or lower income people in general to receive. Um, treatment for their mental health that is something i see as very important and at the same time i i do not like the idea of people killing themselves but if somebody wants to kill themselves i don't see that as the government's job to stop them from so doing you're saying so. that it shouldn't be like illegal to kill like you know yeah it should not be illegal to kill yourself because yeah. that just enforces like it's, it's not helping them. It's just saying that what they're doing is wrong. And like, yeah, they already have that guilt in yeah. them. I mean, they've gone to the point where they're thinking of ending their life. Making exactly. it illegal isn't going to stop them from doing that. Exactly. And on top of that, yeah, I think it, it sends reduce the chances of them killing no, themselves. No, I disagree. I and think, what it does is it sends think, a, making suicide illegal sends a message that you no, are not. Nobody's that making you, suicide illegal. No, but they're, no, let no, me, nobody's let me finish that. what I'm yeah, saying. You can finish your point. If you, if they made suicide illegal, or even if they tried to prevent suicide by use of gun control, saying people with depression should not be allowed to own firearms, which is something I have seen argued by people, then that sends a message that you are the government's property. I think the government has a moral responsibility to make sure that all its, all its citizens are protected. And I think the government has a duty to make sure that the amount of um, self self-harm lowers but does that duty extend to legality does that have to do they have to make it illegal for someone to have a firearm like just because they suffer depression or not just or they have suicidal ideation well no i'm saying if you if you uh reduce the amount of guns in a household chances of suicide will go down we know that if you have a gun in your household with a teenager chances of suicide will go up what exactly are you proposing i am saying that we as a society have a moral responsibility to make sure that what is what entails that responsibility what are they making sure that people that have mental illnesses don't have access to weapons or people 
But then you're saying people so with no, the price that, that means closing that. up the all the loopholes that you can get, or uh, all the loopholes that you can get. To One thing is that I feel we're talking about this in a very broad sense, but this also has to go through a case by case sense. It, yeah, it's we I don't I have enough people on the local level who, first of all, psychiatry on the local level is abysmal. We can yeah. talk about that all day. Special in schools. Special in schools. But we, in regards to gun control, there isn't enough, not not policing, but... Education. Education and a sense of responsibility. Well, and look, I, I agree. I think people who are uh, uh, proposing stricter gun laws, I think they lack education on these weapons. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm no gun expert. But, um, for example, like... The AR-15, a lot of people want to ban this gun, and most of the people who are in favor of banning this gun have no idea how this gun truly works. They think it's just some mass murdering weapon, which is not true at all. It's very, it's a, can be used for hunting. A lot of people don't realize it is a hunting gun, and AR does not stand for assault rifle either. Yeah. Um, Wait, what does AR stand with that. for? I can actually, let me look that up right now. I, I was Back to Mark's point, I agree with what he said. But I don't think that uh, a person needs more than, I'll say, two AR-15s in their household. I mean, personally, I don't see a reason why anyone would need an AR-15. And I'm not a gun guy. And that drives my bias as well. Well, I I respect people who have guns. Okay, uh, may I interject for a second? It stands for Arma Light. And assault rifle means fully automatic, which the AR-15 is not. It's semi-automatic, which sounds threatening. Until you realize that almost every gun nowadays is semi-automatic. If, yep. if, if you just pull the trigger and it fires, it's semi-automatic. So every pistol is semi-automatic. Semi-automatic just means you pull the you pull the trigger and it shoots once. Oh, and it was Governor Ronald Reagan in California, and he banned the carrying of loaded weapons in public. And also, it was Ronald Reagan uh, who pushed for the 1994 assault weapons ban so the term well, assault rifle, also. that's like uh, automatic weapons mm-hmm. so yeah. after 1994 it became illegal well, fully fully automatic that's yeah, the thing fully automatic so fully automatic uh good weapons, for him. uh were banned which will bring uh, that law back in the nine, are you is, celebrating a man still... who sold crack to low income no i'm celebrating this specific policy <laughs> so I disagree with Reagan a lot, but on this issue, no, when it comes to guns, he was correct. Yeah, but the assault weapons ban, that, that's something I want to make very clear. Assault weapons or assault rifles in the sense of fully automatic rifles are banned. It's very, very difficult to, in America, obtain a license to own a fully automatic rifle. There are very stringent regulations that you have to go through in order to get one because and I, I have never fired a gun before, but I know from those regulations that only very tested uh, and like individuals who've gone through these regulations are allowed to have these kinds of guns. So it's a slippery slope when we say assault weapons ban because technically assault weapons and assault rifles have been banned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's also uh, signed into law and assault weapons banned by President uh, Bill Clinton during his term, and it expired in two thousand and something under Bush. And Bush never uh, re-signed the bill. Wait, so what, the did, law. what did Bill Clinton? Bill exactly? Clinton had 
But anyways, uh, while Oscar is looking that up, Mark, you brought up uh, education and the importance of like educating uh, people who, I mean, I guess on both sides of the argument, yeah. uh, who have misunderstandings about each other. Yeah, um, education is, is what's going to bridge the gap between both of these political sides, obviously. But um, uh, in terms of the left um, who are advocating for the AR-15 ban, um, they want to ban the gun because it's been used in several mass shootings and because it looks scary. And I've actually seen a um, social experiment done by this uh, guy on YouTube. Um, it might have been Steven Crowder. Um and he had uh, all these guns out on the table, and he actually had two of the same guns, but one of them had a wooden stock, and one of them had a metal stock. And the stock is like the little butt piece uh, yeah. at the at the end of the gun. Um, and people saw this, and they immediately wanted the metal one banned oh. because it looked threatening. But then the wooden one, they were like, "Yeah, that's okay. It's used for hunting and stuff." So I think there's a clear like problem with people who just want to ban things because they look scary. I think That's we should valid argument. When, when discussing gun control, people want to try and say, Oh, it doesn't matter what type of gun it is. It doesn't matter. Blah, blah, blah. Just get rid of it. Blah, blah. I think it is very important that we educate everyone on what guns are, what, and what they do, what they can be used for. And, um, you know, I just think it's important to educate people on that because the, we, we can't give into the f media fear mongering. I mean, in terms of what you said about education, uh, that piece about Stephen Crowder, I mean, I read an article where someone, uh, the author, said he fired an AR-15 and it was the scariest experience in his life. Mm -hmm. I don't know if either of you have seen that article, but there is definitely uh, misinformation uh, regarding guns that has spread widely. Again, the assault rifle or assault weapons ban yeah. thing is uh, an example of that. But that can also go the other way because a lot of people who focus on gun control aren't really trying to take people's guns away just for the sake of taking them away. Yes. A lot of them have um, – I know one of the biggest proponents of gun control is uh, – were or are the uh, members of – family members who died in Sandy Hook, Marty Storm and Douglas, Columbine – these mass shootings and how they adversely affected their communities does influence people. And whether it is right or wrong, they their opinions on the issue is definitely affected by that. And I can, I mean, I empathize with them, and I I, I do agree with some of the things they say. Just because facing a tragedy like that can definitely push uh not push but it can definitely influence their beliefs and their beliefs towards guns uh, whether they makes them think that all guns are bad or whether it makes them believe that guns are solely killing machines that's kind of something that i just wanted to bring up bias can go both ways yeah so to uh, bring it back to uh what i said about bill clinton and the law he signed it was uh a ban on semi-automatic firearms uh and the and it prohibited the manufacturing the manufacturing of ammunition magazines that held over 10 rounds mm -hmm. so that's just what the uh what he signed into law and it expired 
it was a 10-year law and it expired after 10 years. Oh, and George Bush never and, Yeah, George it. Bush never renewed the law. Um, for starters, I'm against that, but I actually wanted to pose a question I am to, not. to both of you guys, um, <laughs> which hopefully sparks a um, more um, in-depth combo. Not that this is an in-depth, yeah. but I want to get to a point that I was finding out earlier. Um, what exactly does the Second Amendment right mean to you guys? And then after you guys answer. The I right to, yeah. So the Second Amendment to me, uh, again, and this is coming from an outsider, a foreigner who, uh, whose parents moved to this country. The Second Amendment to me specifically means the right to bear arms, the right to, at least in the Second Amendment, the right to form militias to fight and to assemble and to bear arms, really. That's um, how I would define it in the strictest sense. My definition is simple. People having access to guns. That's that. People having access to guns. That's my definition of it. My definition is uh, a bit more complex. I see it as a, a pillar holding up the roof of basically the Constitution and all of your other amendment rights, right? Now, um, sure, there are other countries like Japan and New Zealand and Australia who ban all their guns and everything's fine. Their government isn't trying to oppress them. And you're right. Their, their government isn't trying to oppress them, but their government is very, very different from ours, at least in terms of who's running it. It may be set up in a similar way, but in terms of the people running it, it's very different. And in terms of the people within our, those countries, culture. yeah, completely different culture. Um, so when I say I value the second amendment because I fear tyranny in America, people often will roll their eyes at me or kind of look at me, call me a conspiracy theorist or, you know, a paranoid tinfoil hat wearing weirdo, something like that. But tyranny exists. Um, it's going on in this world right now in places like North Korea and China, where the Second Amendment doesn't exist, obviously. And it's happened in history. Like, take a deeper look at it. It's there to pick apart. All right. I mean, that's a that's a pretty good point. So, Mark, when talking about the Second Amendment and talking about the right to bear arms, I mean, and I don't want to address both of you when I'm asking this, why is the Second Amendment so important to Americans? I mean, when, would it matter if it were to be amended or if it were to be repealed? And also, in today's context, how should we interpret the Second Amendment? There are a lot of people who interpret it through a constitutionalist lens uh, who go through the exact terminology and there are others who want to amend it because they say they don't it doesn't fit the times of today and i just wanted to get both of your insights on this um in regards to your last um question about how we should interpret the second amendment and i think we should interpret it exactly how the supreme court ruled in 2008 which is it is an individual right and it is a right of all of ours to form a well-armed militia. So a lot of people, I don't know if you were trying to uh, bring up the point that many people say where it's like, oh, they're talking about just militias, not the people. 
Um, I mean, you're referencing a District of Columbia versus Heller, I believe. Yeah, That's exactly. A, yeah. Um, a lot of people like to try and argue that the Second Amendment was made purely for a well-armed militia and it is not an individual right. But that is not the case. The Supreme Court ruled it is an individual right. And on top of that, it has always been interpreted as an individual right since the birth of our nation. Um, I mean, people were allowed to own cannons back in the day. Like, it's always been an individual right. Um, uh, yeah. I agree with uh, Mark that it is an individual right. However, there should be laws set in place that restrict people who shouldn't have firearms firearms well yeah we're yeah. all in agreement on that i think we all agree but on yeah, the, uh, the right to bear arms is essential to americans and uh i know you brought up it being a pillar of american society yes so i mean um, so uh, uh you were asking if the amendment was needed today I'm, that- yeah I'm, i was asking why would it matter if it were to get repealed or amended uh, uh, and I mean, before we answer that, just to clarify, some of our viewers might not be familiar with District of Columbia versus Heller. Uh, it, this is a Supreme Court case dating back to 2008, in which the Supreme Court uh, held that the Second Amendment protects the individual's right to keep and bear arms unconnected with service in a militia for traditionally lawful purposes such as self-defense within the home and that the District of Columbia's handgun ban and requirement that lawfully owned rifles and shotguns be kept unloaded and disassembled or bound by a trigger lock violated this guarantee. So the key component of that is that the individual has the right to bear arms and it doesn't just apply to militias. That is a key component of that case. And I just wanted to clarify that before we get to the importance or the perceived importance of the Second Amendment. And uh, I know if one of you wanted to... Yeah, I, w- I would just like to say, um, in regards to if the amendment is important today, I want to name off uh, three groups or people. Jeffrey Epstein, Jeffrey um, Epstein. MK Ultra, and The Finders. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the... the uh, later too, I suggest you look into them. I don't want to deep dive too deeply into it. Yeah. During I don't think this we want to talk yeah. about Jeffrey um, yeah. too much, uh, but like basically these aren't conspiracy theories. These are things that happened. They are terrible, evil things that happened that our government or, um, it's politicians or even like the CIA, you know, FBI. et cetera, FBI, they were connected to. Um, you can draw lines to each of these cases and our government. And when you say, when someone, not you guys, because I know we're all in agreement that the Second Amendment is very important. Yes. But when somebody suggests that we ban all guns like New Zealand, I like to bring up those three cases because to me, it shows how government is inherently evil. Like government in general? Government, or? the way I see it is government is a necessary necessary evil. And our founding fathers were fully aware of this. And they suggested that we keep it limited in its power. Well, when I hear that, I, one, yeah, Oscar, you go ahead. So I disagree with Mark. While, yes, 
there have been times in history where governments, not only in the U.S., have been evil towards its citizens and towards other citizens of other nations. I think, in my opinion, government is a place where people can come together and do what's better for a society. So I believe the government, no matter what its wrongdoings in the past or the wrongdoings in the future, I believe the government should be a place where people can come together and form law so it will help their own society. And when you talk about government and we talk about the founding fathers, one thing I'd like to say is that the founding fathers didn't very much have a full-throated democracy in mind when it comes yep. to America as, as a republic. And being a republic, they sought to not minimize people's voices, but to... Well, mitigate. yes, but that is because um, in a pure democracy, mob rules. Mob and rules, that's true. Nobody ever truly wins when mob rules. Like, bad things happen. And So I, I see their point. And that's when I say government, to me, in its raw form, is evil, but it is a necessary evil. Because, yes, you can get rid of government, you can have pure anarchy, but that's no better than having an authoritarian society because you're just going to have mob rules or the guy well, with the biggest gun. I, I like to say that, I mean, government may be a necessary evil, but this is a quote from Winston Churchill, I think, and he said that democracy is the best of the worst systems mm -hmm. of government. Yes. And, I mean, he does have a point. Anarchy is just not possible, mm -hmm. and without a system of government in place where people can coalesce and work together and have a system of cooperation uh they just will not we will not advance as a human race yeah and going back to when mark was saying that gun having access to guns were a pillar to a society i think of uh, when benjamin franklin when people gathered outside independence hall and benjamin franklin came out and, and the people asked him so do we have a monarchy or or do we have a republic and he responded with we have a republic if you can keep it. So I think that's where uh, Mark gets his passion for having access to guns where, where it, for a, for us to be able to keep our Republic, we have to have access to this, uh, exactly. to, guns, to protect against, to protect against a evil government. Is there a negative aspect to the characterization of the government as a tyrannical force or is it just reality? Because a lot of, I'm sorry, what, so a lot of gun rights, and let me just expand on my question. Um, a lot of proponents for, I guess you can call them gun rights activists, uh, like to bring up the tyrannical government argument. How accurate is that, not just for the American government, but for governance in general? And then we can, how can we apply it to the American government? Because by definition, isn't the American government of the people, by the people, and for the people? Uh, no, it's maybe, not. It's, maybe at one point, but I don't see it as that right. very well, much. Well, right now, our nation is for the uh, by the people, for the corporations, in my opinion. So, so I think, think our that, I think corporations are running the government right now. I think it it works hand in hand. But yeah, I could agree with you at the end of the day. Um, Big corporations own America. Big corporations do own America, but let's be real. Our politicians love that. Exactly. And, they love and the what's the three um, branches of government? I mean, there's actually four now. It's space the judicial, <laughs> the judicial, the legislative, and the executive, and K Street, which is where all the lobbyists are. In Washington. That's, you make some great one-liners, Oscar. <laughs> Don't I? 
<laughs> I try. Um, uh, so when discussing the importance of the Second Amendment, talking about tyranny, talking about protecting the individual's right to be free, we can compare our uh, our situation with that of Hong Kong. Yes. I mean, can't, no, no. But let, we, let me let me say something. We, I, I I don't think we can connect our present situation no, in no, the yeah, U.S. You're to exactly Hong Kong. right. It's no, no, two no, completely but, different yeah, situations. We can like say that. I, I guess I wasn't trying to say we can like say oh we're similar to Hong Kong, mm-hmm. but when well we can be. I think every government has the potential to be like Hong Kong. And I guess my question coming into this is if people from Hong Kong had the right to bear arms, do you think they do. that? No, they do. They have guns. Yeah, they do have access to guns. Really? Yes. As long as you have a permit, you can have access yes, to guns. Yes, but you realize how difficult it, yes, it is. It, it, no, yeah, no, yeah. Near impossible. No, I am saying. No, yes, it is <laughs> okay. near impossible, but the fact is that access to guns is possible, okay. but very, very, very unlikely that a Hong Kong citizen but then will actually also, have also, like, the people who are administrating those permits is the Chinese government. Yep. Yeah. So it's a, that's the problem. And that the Chinese government, the pro-Chinese uh, government in Hong Kong, Here's why I struggle with a tyrannical government argument because I get that China is a tyrannical government and they have crushed human rights Mm. wherever they go. But America, or at least the idealists would argue, is that America was built on the belief that, or like that equality was, or equality came first and that justice came first, and that we are a republic governed by a constitution that governed the government, and that these co-equal branches of government were to police each other in case they overstepped their boundaries. Now, what would you two say to that person who believes that we could never go to that length? Uh, let, me, let me get my tinfoil hat real quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... This is an ex- this is extreme, and I'll admit ex- it's extreme. But I believe, I strongly believe that for any government, especially America, I I don't think this this isn't for every case. But I think tyranny is primarily a question of when, not if. So it's inevitable. Mm. I I not inevitable, but I I do like it's. I think that the, the chance. I think it's like a 60, 40 split. I think, um, and it depends on the country and it depends on the government, but there are cases where it's a matter of if not when, and tyranny exists in the modern day. A lot of people want to act like it doesn't, but it does. Yep. And I'm not trying to call the American current American leaders. Um, what's the word tyrannical, right? I'm not trying to call them that, but look at America post nine 11. We willingly handed over our right to privacy for the sake of security. Privacy no longer means anything in America. And you're talking about the Patriot Act, I believe, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Patriot Act. And that goes to a global scale. Like the, our government and other governments are monitoring everyone and everything 24-7. Um, they have the potential to put you, 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 all of us on a file if they really wanted to. And that I mean, to me is scary. Yeah. And um, discussing tyranny in the modern age, um, a lot of people like to point out, oh, they're going to take our guns as the first step of tyranny. But I completely like, disagreed that 
I Same. think yeah. that the government has other ways of detracting from our they freedoms do. Yeah, they do. while making us focus on the gun control issue. Because yeah. the gun control issue, that's a physical representation Sorry. of our freedoms as Americans. But what is not so physical and what is kind of vocal and mental is our right to privacy, our right to move freely. The fact that we have, when, whenever we move to a new state, you have to get a new license at a DMV. Doesn't that bother you? No, definitely. I'm very much against big government. And I mean, the thing is... Well, that's uh, really big government. No, no, it's not. But it, yeah. it is uh, an example of um, what too many too many laws. Regulations. Too many regulations. Bad yeah, regulations. not too many laws, but too many bad regulations. Before, before I, I, I personally say, agree with having... That you have to have your license changed from it if you move to a different state. I think you have to get it renewed, but I don't think you should have to get it changed because there are a lot of military. No, I think you should get it changed, like the the little title. Like now, instead of saying state of Connecticut, I mean, tyranny shouldn't be restricted to guns and gun control because when we talk about or when proponents or opponents of gun control talk about tyranny and oh they're going to come and take our guns and they're going to come take our freedoms this is just the first step we are really focusing just on the guns whereas we're not looking at what's happening around like us. privacy like privacy. In, in reality if america were to become a, a totalitarian state the next day the first right they took away was privacy not the guns yeah um, and shouldn't that detract from the gun Rights I, I agree, arguments. but we shouldn't lose sight of the guns because say they take away our other rights first, at least we have the guns, so we have a little bit more of a fighting chance. So you believe that that would be the last step, taking our guns? No, I don't think it would be the last. I, I, I mean, I don't really agree with you at all. I think it's kind of like a what-if scenario. Like, I mean, they could go for any right first if they wanted to, but but the one that makes the most sense though is to probably not go for the guns, right? In America, yeah. Because in America, guns yeah, definitely. hold such a a dear yeah. spot in the American's yeah. heart that any attack on that physical representation of their freedom is an attack on their actual freedoms. Uh, when but, me and you were were talking the other day, you said um, if it were if something like uh, if someone like Hitler were to arise in America, they would do so under like the idea of nationalism. Yeah, and nationalism. then I, I responded with, "I I think it would be security nowadays." And I, that's what I see it as. Like we've sacrificed um, a decent amount of our rights for the sake of security. And I, I, it was privacy first, and I see guns as heading out the window. And then I I really do see early signs of freedom of speech, but. And I mean, and so that is an important uh, distinction to make. And uh, I guess let's take off our tinfoil hats for a second and <laughs> hop off our our high horses for uh, tyranny. And let's just talk about gun violence in America. All right. Because okay. w- would you all agree that gun violence is an American, not a, a solely American, but a very, very, very familiar issue in America? Violence is, but yeah. violence is everywhere. Like London, for example, they England banned all guns, but there was just another stabbing in London literally last week. Um, and sure, the casualties are a lot less than if there were guns, but I see this problem as 
far beyond a gun problem. I think it's deeply rooted in our culture. Like um, violence is deeply rooted in the American culture. At least, oh, yes. at least not just the American culture. I think it's a world problem, not world, first world country. Well, violence is everywhere, but I'm saying the idea of all these like people who have it, who seem to have it so easy compared to those in other places going sane and wanting to kill a bunch of people out of nowhere. I see it as deeply rooted in like any first world countries. And so, I mean, culture. let's talk about the culture of violence in America then, because you mentioned that it's a global thing, but rather I should say that I want to talk about the romanticization or the romanticization of, of violence in American culture and uh, media bias. Is that a contributing factor? Does the media have a part to play or are yeah. they slightly to blame for the issues we see? I would think so because they really do put these shooters up on a pedestal like um they they plaster their face all over the world for weeks to come with their the amount they killed and everything of course that's going to inspire someone who's just as messed up as they are to well, want to top have them. To do that that's their job they, they don't they the it is their job but what they they don't and I think anybody who wants to view that information should have the right to do so. But I don't think we need to make these horrible people famous. I don't th- yeah, I don't think it should be on. on and it, there doesn't need to be fifty screen. ads in between every one of the, you ever notice that, that? And oh, well, yeah, that's because TV outlets or they want to make money, they but it's they disgusting. They only care about their profits. Yeah, it's about trying to interrupt you, but no, 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 no. it's about uh, the former less moon less moon of CBS said that, just an example of Donald Trump, but he said Donald Trump may be bad for the country, but it's really good. Uh, sorry, it's not it's, it's not C, uh, it's not Les Mundes, or it's the president of, C, of CNN News. He said Donald Trump may be really bad for the country, but it's really good for CNN. Mm-hmm. Like a sensationalism. It's, yeah. Yes. And the same the thing applies with these. these we're, yeah, and when we talk about media, let's also like talk about the entertainment world. And how uh, movies and TV shows do, well, do you think, romanticize Yeah, let's talk about that. Do you think they're – But I don't think that – movies are responsible for these? No. No? No, but they do – and They do romanticize it. They, I will yeah. agree with you, yeah. Violence has romanticized and when it comes to Hollywood. I, I mean, agree, yeah, when you're but, saying like John yeah, But I don't, I don't like, think yeah. that a person will go out and shoot some movies. Very like, rare. Yeah, very rare. Like, yeah, and that's – And I don't think video games cost – yeah. People to shoot up schools. But like, I feel like when you're seeing like John Wick and you're seeing him like go around with like a handgun or something and like kill 35 people and then like, I don't know, uh, like jump on a horse and like jump out of a building and stuff, that is romanticization, romanticization of violence. Mm-hmm. But I have to agree with Oscar that I don't think that it's a driving force in what's pushing yeah, violence. Sure. Um, I wanted to say that. Uh, a lot of people will argue, well, this school shooter played these video games. Um, of course, a guy who wants to do that, who, who's like a – these guys are mentally ill in most cases, right? Of course, someone who feels the urge to want to go out and shoot a bunch of people is going to enjoy playing a violent video game, right? I don't think the violent video game turned him into that. Yeah. But one thing I do want to bring up, and I don't mean to sound like a boomer when I say this, but like, I think technology is affecting our society in a very negative way. And it could potentially be 
a factor, a small factor, but a factor in all this because we are binging dopamine 24-7. Through our screens? Through our screens. Um, and humans are not made to do that. And I think that causes a lot of a lot of mental problems when you're yeah. binging that level of dopamine 24-7. Um, and that's a good point, actually, because technology – at least in the modern sense, it has exploded in the last 20 years when we have access to like TV shows on demand. We have access to social media on demand. We have access to news. I could just go on here and um, the yeah. first thing I could look up is the uh, latest mass shooting in America. Yeah. And I could get specific details about that at the snap of a finger or yeah. the tip of my hands, the tip of my fingers. And um, well, there's such a, there's power in that too. So I don't there, think no, there is there shaming. are benefits. Nobody's yeah. there's, denying yeah, the benefits. Yeah. Uh, the benefits outweigh outweigh the negatives yeah. well, a lot because but, I mean there is there are bastions of these places that are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we could talk about like incel culture. Yeah, but that we could say that for another day. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, there are places on the internet that are bad, but overall, the internet has connected us. I don't know. No, if- I, I completely agree. And but what I'm I'm not concerned about like potential school shooters looking up the shooter porn or whatever. Yeah. I'm not concerned about that. What I am concerned about is just how unhealthy this way of living is, because I don't think humans were made to sit in a room and watch TV 24-7. I agree. And so when we're talking about gun activism and gun rights, I just wanted to briefly talk about the biggest, uh, the, the elephant in the room, uh, the NRA. And when we talk about gun activism, their name pops up almost instantaneously. When we see who's at the forefront of lobbying for gun rights and who we see at the forefront of advocating for uh, repealing restrictions on access to guns or on magazine restrictions, we always see the name of the NRA pop up. But I guess my segue into the section is a question. And that question is, does the NRA really have the best interest of gun owners in mind, or do they serve a different purpose? Do they have different ideas in mind? So in my opinion, I am fully against the NRA. When I say the when I say I am fully against the NRA, I'm saying I'm not saying that I am an, against the average person who is a member of the NRA. I don't believe that. Uh, what I'm against are the people at the top of the NRA, so the executives who only care about their short-term economic profit rather than the safety of their own uh, members and the citizens of the United States. I mean, how can you know, how can you say the NRA is in the best interest of the nation when they support uh, people on the no-fly list having access to guns? How can you whoa, make that whoa. argument? Whoa, the no-fly list is heavily flawed. There's people on there who do not deserve to be on there at all. Right, really? What do you think about the no-fly list? Um, like, there there are, about? like, I've, I've heard of some ridiculous stories about people getting put on the no-fly list for very ob- obscure reasons. I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to do more research into it, honestly, but, like, I've heard of people getting put on the no-fly list for accidentally sneaking in like a water bottle or something like that. Like literally something so crazy um, like that. Um, But I don't know. I'm going to have to 
do more research on it. That's just what I've heard yeah, from so, certain people. But right. I've yeah. Yeah, Continue. yeah. I look at it. Don't believe people on the terrorist on the terrorist watch list who are not able to fly half access to a weapon. I, I don't believe that. Um, again, the NRA only cares about its short-term economic profits. They don't care about the people. They only care about their profit, profit, profit. Uh, I agree with that. They really do care about the profit. Um, am I against the NRA? I'm not a fan of them. I'm not going to go up in arms about it, though. You know, it's not a hill I'm willing to die on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the NRA, when it comes to the NRA, and this is just my personal opinion, they have a responsibility for the, the corporations that own them to carry out the wills that, you know, what they want to do. They are basically owned by gun manufacturers and they are all, they all have a responsibility or at least they believe their responsibility to carry out whatever they want them to do. And that's just really my sentiment on the NRA. They don't really have the best interest of gun owners in mind. They just have the best interest of the corporations in mind. So, so far in the podcast, we've really been talking, we've been really dancing around the issue of gun control, and we've been talking more about the profile of a shooter, we've been talking about the culture of violence that exists in America, and we've been talking about the reason why the Second Amendment is so important, but we also realize that gun violence is a problem in America, and that something needs to be done, we can't stay stagnant at where we're at. And I'd like to open this section up to a debate or to a conversation about what do we do from here? I mean, we all know we have a problem on our hands, but how do we go about at least starting to solve it or solving the problem in general? All right. Um, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I think I brought up the, the problem with the family values, but like, um, America is severely lacking in family value, values these days, and it is lacking in true masculinity. Um, 26 of the 27 most uh, deadliest mass shooters from 2018 grew up without a father figure in their life. And that says something very obvious to me, and that is that these, um, these people aren't being taught proper discipline. These mass shooters aren't taught being taught um, how to be men. They aren't being taught how to deal with their emotions healthily. Um, and they sure as hell don't have a good uh, home life, if that's the case. Um, uh, other than that, I think people are far less social than they used to be. Uh, I brought it up earlier when I was saying we're binging dopamine 24-7, which is e extremely unhealthy. Um, and in turn, this is making people, this is making people in the real world less connected. I mean, sure, maybe you could talk to someone in Europe and be close friends with them over the internet, but when it comes to, um, the real world, like what's in front of you, it's, it's making us less social. Like I remember back in elementary school, uh, before anybody had any iPods or anything like that, we all used to talk and just kind of have fun on the bus and then everybody got their iPods and it was dead silent. Like you'd walk on the bus and you could hear a pin drop. Um, nobody talked anymore. They were all plugged in on their phones, you know, sucking on that nice dopamine. <laughs> and um, 
honestly, like I, I think we need to promote a healthier lifestyle too. Um, outside of promoting family values, we should be teaching kids um, how to cope with how they're feeling other than just going on medication. Now, medication isn't a bad thing, but do I think everybody needs to be medicated? No. I think there's other healthier um, alternatives like working out, doing sports, uh, joining clubs, anything of the sort. Like if we just get people to be more connected, I think we can solve this problem. We can we can help heal the mental health problem too by promoting less screen time. I know that sounds like a boomer thing to say, but I, I just feel like if we did promote less screen time and we promoted more um, healthier activities, kids hanging out with each other, socializing, becoming friends, I think we could solve this problem. All right. So when it come, what I think when it comes to solving the issue of gun, gun violence is, um, first of all, a, I, I think we should have universal background checks. I think there's no question about it. I think we should end the Charleston loophole, which is the um, gun sale loophole where you can go into a gun sale show and you can buy a gun and you don't need a background check or anything. Uh, I think we need to ban some, some, and a certain amount of semi-automatic weapons. So I don't think that a person should have, like we were talking about the AR-15, I don't think a person should have, I don't see the need why a person needs more than two AR-15s. Or even one, but and then what I also support is ammunition restriction, because if you restrict the amount of ammunition that someone has, you reduce the amount of violence that they can have with that weapon. So I think that ammunition restriction will help a bit, but not all of it. And I don't think we should ban any. I don't think we should ban all guns. I'm not saying that. I will never argue that. I do believe that Second Amendment is one of the things in America that should always be kept the same. I don't think it should be changed. The Second Amendment is having the freedom, having the right to have access to a weapon without. Uh, but yet again, there are restrictions that you need to, that the government needs to set in place and that we all need to agree on. And finally, I believe in red flag laws, but I don't believe... Bootlicker. I don't believe that they should be... Uh, set in place by the federal government, I think that should be a state's issue and a state or and or a local issue. That's my opinion, how to solve the gun crisis. And finally, I know I said finally, but I have to get this out there, more research and more funding when it comes to mental uh, problems. All right. Your final point, I can agree with. But when you said, I don't see why somebody needs one or two AR-15s, um, my response to that is I don't see why someone I don't, yeah, generally no, let don't. Me, let me, re, let me yeah, tell you yeah, why. Yeah. The reason why we need two AR-15s is for the day that the government comes knocking on our door um, asking for our kids in order to abduct them to uh, Jeffrey Epstein's summer camp. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein's okay? summer camp. That's why we need two AR-15s. We need two AR-15s because we fear tyranny. We fear a totalitarian state. Um I, I feel like, yes, you can say, well, you can try and defend yourself with a pistol or hunting rifle, but that's not going to work as well when you have well-armed um, police officers. And that, that brings me to another point. I think the, the police have become far too militarized in this country, 
and it's yeah. honestly scary in my opinion. Um, as for the red flag laws, I completely disagree with you. A hundred percent unconstitutional violation of the fourth and second amendment, unwarranted search and seizure. And you know, it's a violation of the second amendment, the right to bear arms. Wait, in what ways uh, could you just explain a bit more why red flag laws you think are a yeah. violation of which the second and fourth? Just kind of it's a violation that. of the fourth amendment because somebody's uh, calling. You know, I could I could lie so easily. I could call and say that you are a mentally unstable PTSD veteran and you have a thirty round magazine, and the police will raid your house without a warrant and seize everything you own without a shred of evidence. And that well, is but then that you, screams, you do get a court date. And after they prove, seize, after they seize everything, yeah. and actually, um, there was what I just described to you was a real event that just happened in Putnam, New York, um, about two weeks ago. There was a veteran, and his buddy was pissed off at him, so he called the police, and he said he is uh, suffering from PTSD, he's mentally unstable, and he has a thirty-round magazine. And you know what they did when he wasn't home? They went to his house. Um, knocked on the door, spoke with his wife, and they threatened to call CPS on her and get their daughter taken away if they did not let her search the place. Now, you might say that's just like a police precinct problem. Like, it's just, you know, obviously not all police are going to do that, but it, it's something we just, we have to be careful of because we can't just allow the government, to me, it seems like a witch hunt. It seems like you're just going to, you know, call the police on anyone you want. If you're mad at someone, call the police on them. Say they're mentally unstable and they have a 30-round magazine, then their reputation's ruined and they're all bundled up with the law. Well, I th what you described, I think it's more of a uh, policing issue rather than the red flag law. In yeah, that in certain points. Yeah, yeah, which I think when it comes to this, maybe... I don't know what the red flag law is for that county that you, you told me about the town. Uh, Putnam, New York. Putnam. I can yeah, look I, into it at one point. I don't know how it's enforced and I don't know how it's uh, conducted. But overall, I think red flag laws, and we've done this actually, red flag laws have stopped 20 mass shootings in the state of California. Well, because of is there any real proof like they could? Yes. Okay, but listen, I could call you a mentally ill person and say that you have illegal firearms and you may have illegal firearms, but you could very well not be mentally ill. How do I know that you were going to shoot up a police? Well, that's, is there any proof that those 20 people were going to commit a mass well, shooting? No, that, no. And that's why you get a court date. You get a court yes, date. Yes. You, so you get a court date. Willingly and the court says, and they do a background check and a, and a physical test and they say, Yes, he is fine, or no, he is not. Yes, but we're allowing the. Does that not seem scary no, to you? But that, does only, that not seem scary to you? It's only for a short period of time. If they, if because they, then they have to give the weapons back after the court did it. Said. Okay, but listen, if if I'm a gun owner, and um, somebody, let's just say I'm a gun owner, right? Yeah. Somebody could call the police on me. This whole thing is scary to me because it, it seems like it would be very easy for the government to frame anybody as a potential mass shooter. And it, it causes a... Well, it's a, not only a mass shooter, but it's also like self-harm to you and or your family. Yes, or your but neighbors. this seems scary because you're, you're 
allowing anybody to become the judge and jury. You're allowing people to... Um, no, the judge and jury are the judges. No, they are, but it seems... This doesn't seem scary to you. Like, somebody calls the police on you, you get arrested, you get all your stuff taken away, then you have a court date. No, and the court decides whether or not you're mentally unstable. No, the court decides. You present your argument, so let's. you're the... Yeah, you're the one, and I'm the police, and I'm the police department. You say why you. But this was all. Let's stable. let's not forget that this whole court date was sparked um with with not even a shred of evidence. It was sparked through a phone call. Well, I don't know. That's it's not only a phone call. The police actually do have to do their own research and say is this credible or is this not. Are they going to do that? Do you trust the police to do that? I don't know, know if it's differently for uh, the Putnam New York Police mm-hmm. Department from California. Yeah. Or Colorado. All right. So it's various through the department. Do I trust all police officers? I think police officers, I think we need a police officers. I think we need police reform in this country, to be honest, in my opinion. So you, you agree with me that they're too militarized? Uh, yes. Okay. In some departments, they are way too militarized. I mean, right. the state of New York, um, city of New York, their, their police department is the sixth largest military. If they were... A military would be the sixth largest in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, what's scary to me, though, is that say you ban these AR-15s, um, then no, you not, have, I'm not pledging to ban them. I'm, oh no, no, no. I, okay, okay. You can't but buy. Then, more let's say, them, let's you know. say, let's say you ban these AR-15s, then you have a police force that is um, um, enforcing the law, and they have weapons that are far deadlier than yours. And say they start to enforce immoral laws, it's going to be much harder for um, a citizen or a well-armed militia. To well, yeah, that's why. These. That's why I'm not saying, or do I agree with? Let's ban all guns. No, but I think AR-15s, restrictions. AR-15s. I don't believe. I don't believe in banning AR-15s. I believe in limiting in the amount. Them. Okay. Yeah, but I even then, I don't see a, why. Say you have a ten-round magazine. You have a ten-round magazine, and then the police have a thirty-round magazine. It's going to make that a lot harder for you to fight against um, a militarized officer who's enforcing immoral laws, isn't it? Wait, so going back to Oscar's claim, you said that the New York Police Department would be the sixth largest military in the world? Yeah, should be, right? Uh, no. Um, according to the, um, a website, The Village Voice, uh, this was said by Michael Bloomberg yeah. in 2011. In reality... Mike it, well, Bloomberg for president. I'm joking. <laughs> please don't. No more billionaires. Um, we he What he said was that they would be the seventh largest in the world, Seven. but... but uh, actually, statistically, that's pretty false. Just because Vietnam is the seventh largest in the world, uh, the largest army, they have 321,000 soldiers. The NYPD has 33,000 soldiers. So just wanted to kind of... Uh, so it's, it's, it's about... It's 10 I, times. I just, yeah. yeah. Does this so not seem uh, scary to you, though? These red flag laws seems like it, they're arresting people and seizing all their stuff before they've even committed a crime. And that, to me, screams unconstitutional. No, it's because you're preventing them from committing a crime. Okay, exactly. Sure. Maybe they are. But then maybe they did stop 20 mass shootings. But how about – what about all the other people? I mean there's got to be people who've had their lives totally derailed from being accused of something like this, right? I'm sure it has happened, they, they, but they do get And how do we go down say, about preventing that, though? We were wrong, and this person is actually but fine. Still, it derails it. You know what that it causes all sorts of other problems. 
I mean, it's not as simple if as like. If the police station is clear, or if the judge is clear, that oh yeah, this person has will do yes, no harm. What, to what about the, the mental mental trauma? Correct, and it's still a great deal of stress having to deal with that, being accused of something like that, right? Well, of course, it is a mental. It, it would cause mental trauma to someone. Yeah, but then it's still you're preventing them from having from doing a mass shooting. I, See what you were no, saying, but no. no. It, the, here's what it is: it's unwarranted search and seizure, and they are doing this before anybody's even committed a crime, which is not the government's job. They weren't made to um, try and uh, unlawfully, yeah, unlawfully search and seizure people. They were private property. Yeah, they weren't made for that. They weren't made to enforce. Uh, these unconstitutional laws on people before they've even committed a crime, right? That it's they're made to the, the police are here to prevent crime in the moment, not necessarily um, uphold laws that should not be put in place. Is that what your argument is? I don't know. What I'm trying to say is that police should only work. No, what really I'm trying to say is danger now. No, so you, you know, are like you, minority are you saying, report. You know, minority report where they're yeah, like wait, arresting people before they've committed a crime. Oh, are you saying? Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. That is what I fear. Like it seems like this is heading down some sort of scary path where it's like if you, if you piss someone off the wrong way, they're gonna call the police and get the red coats yeah, to but come that's out. Not, that's you. not how it works. It's not the police. Out, the police. You but we have to be careful. Someone. We can't just entrust the government to do this. That's why you set in place actual guidelines and proper guidelines. You don't just call someone and say, you don't just call your police happened. station and but say, it's hello, my neighbor but is happened. in it's happened a dangerous in family. It's happened in Putnam, New York. Well, yeah, that's one of And that guy is suffering okay. consequences. They labeled him as um, mentally unstable, and he is still in locked up in a um, psych ward as a result of it. Because he refused to let the police unwarrant um, search his house without a warrant. Because of that. No, they do. No, a police station. No, has no, to have a this warrant. happened. This is real life, not your statistics. In Putnam, New York, a veteran refused to let the police come into his house and um, unwarrant search his house no, without no, a warrant. For red, and red, as a result, I don't know what you're. Uh, I'm talking about Putnam, New York. Maybe it's. Cold completely different thing and i don't know no it's red flag i don't, laws. I don't know he is no, still serving when it a, comes to red flag laws you have to have a court you have to have a judge sign off saying i yes you can go and take his guns yes but they didn't do I that don't, i don't know they didn't do uh, that yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's not the fault of, of red flag laws it's the fault of the place either department. way you're allowing these red these red flaws are red flag laws are happening and it's opening the doors for um police corruption to take place for unconstitutional things to take place. This man was a veteran. He fought for our rights and he is currently locked up in a psych ward away from his newborn baby girl, away from his wife, all because he owned a 30 round empty magazine. Not to mention the police came to his home um, when he was at work, threatened to call CPS on him and his wife. If the wife did not let them. And whose side the of the story was this? Are you hearing this from I'm hearing this from uh, from him or from no yes from him okay. he was live on Instagram live there's an a, uh, ACP right outside his house you know what that is it's you, a militarized you, vehicle yeah, you, you sent me yes and he was he was live streaming this you know what they did they cut his internet 
They cut his service. They evacuated the whole town. And he was unarmed because they seized, seized his weapons um, beforehand when he wasn't home and without a warrant. And he refused to let them come in and arrest him. That's what he did. He barricaded himself in his house. He kicked his um, uh, wife out. With I, his I really want to double check the warrant. You can do I, that. I, yeah. I, you can go ahead and do that. But, is, the, that is, but one thing you should know. I don't know. Again, like one I don't thing know. you should know is that the, the police are trying to frame him as a um, armed robber. They're trying to say he was an armed robbery or something like that. And they're trying to okay. say he was a person in crisis, which wasn't the case. He was very well unarmed. And there's testimonies from his wife to back it up online. Um, the police are kind of. Um, so this is not an issue of red flag laws. This no, is it very of, much is because the red flag laws open the door for the police to commit these unconstitutional acts. So in my, the way I see it, this is not, this is an issue of Putnam, New York, not. Okay. So what I'm getting and this from the daily beast is that it was a domestic a violence investigation? It, it wasn't, though. They're saying that now. It was originally a red flag violation, but when they couldn't find the 30-round magazine, they, so they moved it to They that moved it to that because saying. they didn't want to seem like a failure. That's so, basically what it was. Um, and this is the story of a 28-year-old Afghanistan veteran, Alexander Booth. Yes. Um, Booth broadcast the beginnings of the standoff. Yeah. He, um, he live-streamed for several hours and posted updates on his Instagram story as well. And so getting the facts straight is important on this podcast. And the best thing I can do is present the viewpoints and I can broadcast what is reported by the mainstream media, although not always correct. Um, What I have to say is that this at least in the sense of mainstream media was reported as a red flag, but I'm not um, as a domestic violence investigation and that uh, he barricaded himself in when he refused to let the police come in. That's what the daily beast is reporting. And then from another website called American military news, um, they reported it as a red flag uh, gun confiscation uh, incident, which is what the initial reports indicated it was. Mm-hmm. And later, it was refuted by police who claimed they responded to a domestic incident. Um, uh, the Putnam County Sheriff Department later canceled the press conference and deleted their Facebook page, adding to the confusion surrounding the viral standoff. Yes. So and this is one example of, I'm guessing, what it is an illegal act. That has been no, he did not One thing I want to say, though, is this there was no domestic dispute. No, no, that's there no, was no, no domestic dispute. I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. I don't know the laws in the state of New York when it comes to red flag laws. But this, from what you're telling me, sounds like the police department has violated uh, has violated the laws when it comes to red flag laws in the state of New York. Uh, that's what I. That's what I think. I think it's a failure in the police department. That's what I'm. My yes, but are you not concerned that these red flag laws open the door for um, no more unconstitutional? Before, before, before okay, so I'll on. say I'll support. I, I'll reword what I, I what my support for red flag is. My support for red flag laws are the following: uh, not California, but uh, state of Colorado's uh, state of Colorado's uh, initiative or law 
so basically you copy that to whatever accounts so you want. So basically you have to get a warrant you, from you have, a judge. You, yes, you have to get a warrant from a judge and the police force has to say this person is a threat uh, to the community. But, but Let's things aren't always do done it. that way. Let's not be naive and pretend that the police don't cut corners. Of the course they do. And the government especially is always cutting corners. And this is why red flag laws concern me because of all the um, cutting corners that the government does, right? And I, I think this red flag, I, I still, I, I don't think we're going to find common ground on this, to be honest. I don't think. I think I the know. closest thing that we're going to get to that is that the police are too militarized and that they often cut corners. But I think we should follow the, uh, or states should follow, not the U.S. or the nation. The states should follow the Colorado standard of red flag laws. I don't know what uh, the uh, Putnam County's red flag laws are. But from my side, it sounds like it is a violation. No, it, it, yeah. Um, either way, even if it's, I just want to make a yeah. closing point on this argument. Um, so lively, I, why do you want to end it? <laughs> I got things to do. It's a, it's a Friday night. Oh yes. Um, I'll, I'm. I still. Uh, stand strongly on the side that red flag laws are very much unconstitutional and it sounds a lot like minority report if you ask me or some sort of weird dystopian society but um yeah the police are too militarized uh so don't, we, don't tread on me you're we, a boot licker we boot agree liquor. Um, we agree boomer we agree <laughs> <laughs> own the bad <laughs> We agree we, to disagree. We agree to disagree. So you've heard the two sides uh, debate, and that was a pretty lively debate. Um, I first want to say uh, thank you to both my guests for coming here. Um, and I'd like to move on to what I think. And as the moderator, uh, it's not common for me to weigh in on issues, but since we've started talking about an issue that's so contentiously gun control, I feel like that's important to not only address my viewpoints, but go point by point through these many different uh, beliefs that were brought up in this debate. Now, I want to start with Oscar. And uh, you brought up a lot of laws and uh, of legal things to do, like universal background checks, uh, banning semi-automatic weapons. Some, uh, not all. Some. So, like, you you wanted a restriction. You said restriction. you should if be you the ban semi-automatic weapons. You're basically banning every gun that's been made in the past. I'll, I'll reword what I said. Uh, restricting. Restricting. Okay. So you so, want restrictions certain, on certain yeah, guns. So you can't buy more than fifteen guns semi-automatic weapons. And you wanted ammunition. I think we can agree on that one. I, I don't think a person needs fifteen AR. I don't know. I disagree. Okay. I think if a law-abiding citizen wants fifteen AR, okay. Very <laughs> okay. Much. We don't agree right, on that right, one. Right. Again. Yeah. But <laughs> you wanted also. You said ammunition restrictions and red flag laws. And state. Your last law. State. State, state rules. Yeah. And yeah. you said that. The, the last point, and both of you agreed on this, was research into mental health. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, now, in regards to this, now, personally, uh, let me preface what I'm saying, uh, what I'm about to say, with the statement that I am not a gun owner. I don't have the perspective of someone who owns guns, someone who has fired guns, someone who has had experience with weapons, or has built uh, their culture around weapons. 
I have to agree th with the background checks and I have to agree with state red flag laws and with restrictions on the type of weaponry people can buy. Now, that can be interpreted in many different ways, but before uh, it's misconstrued, I like to define what I mean by that. So universal background checks are, I believe, to be at when you are buying the firearm, they run a check on your driver's license, on your criminal record. That is all well and good, and we need to, we need to continue doing that. But I also believe that we need to do that at gun shows, and we need to be careful with uh, gun sales that are outside of legal gun shops, because I know a lot of people do either get weapons from family members or they do buy them from outside sources. So we do need to continue with checks on that. Uh, in terms of restricting AR-15s or restricting those types of weaponry, again, in the context that we're in in America, I don't feel that a full-on restriction or a full-on ban would work, but we do need to look at reality. Like A majority of the weapons used in these mass shootings were... AR-15s. Now, that's not to say that AR-15s are essentially human-killing machines that were just meant to destroy everything that comes into their sight. But there is a common feature or a common thing that comes up whenever we look up the AR-15. That is human-to-human -human killing each other. And I'm not saying that we need to ban it, but we do need to rethink or rethink are laws in regards to these types of weaponry. Ammunition restrictions, I'm in favor of cutting down ammunition ammunition magazines, maybe not to maybe like five or 10, maybe something like 15, just because 30 round magazines in a semi-automatic weapon, I'm just not sure what the use of it would be other than to cause harm. I'm, not, I'm sure hunting, is one thing, but uh, if you really need more than 15 shots to kill one deer... Well, you need 15 more than 15 shots, again, in case the government comes to your door and tries to recruit your that, kid for Jeffrey Epstein's summer camp. I do want to come Very unlikely. I do want to come to Mark's point. Say that now. <laughs> I do wanna, me wrong. I do want to move on to Mark's uh, argument. Now, I do agree that family values is important. And that sociability is a very, very central part in this gun control debate. Because we as a society have started to move inward. We've started to become less social. We've started to talk to each other less. And we've started to hang out with each other less. It's become much less, much less common to see kids hanging out the mall. It's much less common to see kids going to their friend's house for a sleepover, for, you know, just hanging out. We've isolated ourselves, and as a result of that, we become more lonely. We can see that in when you poll millennials, and a, a majority of them have some type of mental illness in regards to either anxiety or depression or their feelings of isolation. We have moved inward, 
and whether that be because of technology or our culture or just because our social or home values aren't being taught as much, we do need to address that problem. One problem I do have with uh, Mark's point is about just like the whole fear part of the argument. Now, there, I, I kind of separate your argument into two different parts. We talked about family life and we talked about uh, how to cope with feelings. And yeah, I do agree with coping with feelings. Teaching kids how to deal with stress, sadness, anger, those are vital. And having compassion and being able to teach them how to grow up to be men and women of society is an important part of how we develop. But there was a second part to your argument, and this was separate, that was really related to fear. And you mentioned Jeffrey Epstein's Sex Island uh, <laughs> as an example. I know you don't think that, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's going to come back from the dead or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, but, it was just a Yeah, point, it's yeah. an exact, yeah. What if he never really died? <laughs> I, could, I could get beyond that. He might have not died. I mean, honestly, like, we've heard reports that, oh, he killed himself, and then no, he didn't kill yeah. himself. So, I mean, I, I think he's dead, but honestly, yeah. I don't know. Um, and, well, we do know, but... Uh, I this fear part of the argument that okay when will the government will come knocking at our doors? It doesn't really stand the test of time. America has been a country because of our Second Amendment rights. We are one of the longest-standing governments because of our Second Amendment because rights. Because and in spite of it, we haven't had to rise up with our guns or use them in a massive capacity. I know that there have been small-scale fightbacks against, you know, small towns. I remember in the 60s, there was a rebellion against a local Texas sheriff, and a bunch of veterans, like, blew up his, like, um, sheriff's department. But those are small-scale rebellions. I'm talking about more of a national thing. Well, we, in spite of it, because the government fears us. And also that the government is... I mean, I know it's a very, uh, it's a very idealistic approach, but the government is made of the people. They're influenced by corporations, yes, but the government is, at the end of the day, people by the people and of the people. It might not be for the people, but those two things still remain. Those people are American citizens, and that idea of the American dream and the of the American society still exists within them. I don't see that the effects of tyranny uh, really coming uh, into play as much as you kind of noted. And uh, while I do agree that injustice is one is one step in front of us, uh, I don't see how in the modern context how that could be an argument against uh, gun control in the sense of bump stock bans or background checks. Um, and the biggest thing that I noticed was your argument uh, on red flag laws. And in regards to red flag laws, this is what I will say. Red flag laws are a very sticky thing because while they do... And a slippery slope, I'd say. That's what I want to address in a minute. Well, but while they do... Well, they're intended to help curb the 
amount of gun violence we see. And while in theory they're very, they can be very beneficial. Um, Mark brought up the point of it being a slippery slope and of you know the Putnam County uh, Marine. And to that, I'd like to say that personally, that feels more like a an argument against bad policing and not of bad laws. Just because that the police acted irresponsibly and the judge may or may not have been corrupt and this man is still in the psych ward for a crime he didn't commit isn't a reflection of the laws themselves or the idea of gun control, but rather it is a reflection of a corrupt police department. And that is a corrupt police department that existed before the gun control laws and is existing after that. I don't think that those laws have enabled them further to pursue their uh, quote-unquote tyrannical uh, raid. Um, while I do see the merit in both of your arguments, I'd have to say that it has to be a mix of both. Am I, am I wrong? Because when I say, when I see arguments made by both sides, what I fail to see is that there isn't really any compromise and there isn't really any uh, mixture. We always see things in black and white. We always see things as, oh, we need to ban guns or, oh, we need to think about mental health. And in the end, we do nothing about either thing. We don't act. We don't pass laws and we don't uh, move forward with trying to solve the problem. To that, I'd have to say we do need background checks and we do need family values, but we'd need them together in order to solve the gun control, the gun control problem. And I'd uh, just like to say that while it's easy to see things in a black and white way, we need to start thinking of things uh, through a gray area. Well, after a long discussion and a long and contentious debate, I'd like to thank both of my guests for participating in the podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank Oscar Cespedes for being here, and I'd like to thank Mark Genuo for being here. I know it's a Friday night, and being at the school till 5 p.m. isn't really something that's very attractive. Oh, it is fine. It's almost, it's 4.30. But I'd like to say thank you to both of you. I really appreciate it. Um, I hope you guys, if you didn't like really, I know you guys didn't really agree on many, but I hope you guys enjoyed your time on the podcast. It was fun. I very much did enjoy it. And yeah. I think we did find some common ground. Yeah. Um, not so much towards the end. In the beginning, I think there was In the beginning, I agree with the boomer. Um, but <laughs> towards the end, it kind of got a little, uh, a little, uh, boomer, yeah. Yeah. But it was fun. <laughs> All right. I'll see you later, you filthy bootlickers. <laughs> thank right. you. And this has been Why Politics. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>